No, I mean, I don't, I don't want to keep up that kind of a pace. I think right. doing two a week is plenty. Uh, I don't even want to keep up that many. I'd rather just do one a week. But, you know, we talked about obviously doing three, uh, two a week for kind of the first yeah, just get some shit out few there. weeks just to get a, a healthy amount of content. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the fact that we could do effectively three hours of talking bullshit. Yes. That's uh, pretty impressive. We We do have a lot of bullshit to talk about. So... Yeah, I'm impressed. I, yeah, I feel really good. I don't even care if people listen. I just want to get some sponsorships. Let's just get some sponsorships. Let's just get some free shit. Like that. That'd be. <laughs> I think the two might be uh, tightly coupled. I think you might have to ah. have some people listen to get a sponsorship. But I could All be right. wrong about that. Well, hey, at spin, at spin, you know, <laughs> send right. us some coffee. Yeah, we're growing our user base, and uh, <laughs> it is a coffee code cast. And so, if we had some coffee, that would help accelerate our listener base. So, you know, we could even add, they could be like a full-time sponsor. It could be coffee code cast brought to you by spin or brought to you by spin or the spin coffee code cast, the spin. Oh, I love it. The spin coffee code cast. All it requires is a small donation just to keep our, our lights on. What is that? (laughs) 25 bucks. There you go. Pay for our hosting and we're good to go. And throw in a couple coffee makers. Well, well, I already have one on order, but send this guy one because he doesn't have one. And maybe a bean credit. We should ask for a bean credit. We don't want to be too, you know, we should negotiation. We have to make sure we negotiate a little bit. I want a few a few bags of beans a month for free. I don't want to pay for all that <laughs> shit. I don't think we're asking for too much. Yeah, I don't. I think they're going to I think they're going to jump right on this. I think they're all about it. I think they're listening now. I mean, they already obviously we won their you know, hearts and minds over yesterday on Twitter. So I think now we just send them a proposal and we can have whatever we want. (laughs) Let's get that. Let's get on that. Two bags of beans each. I I want two bags a month. You should get two bags a month. We'll each get a coffee maker and we'll put their logo on our website for all of our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Whiskey bender last night, huh? You could say that. <laughs> There's no more left in the bottle. Well, there was multiple bottles in the photo that you showed me. Oh, he's calling me out on mine. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely evidence of that. <laughs> this morning. What spurned that? I don't know. I Well, part of it is that doing this intermittent fasting uh, to be quite honest with you like both of those bottles didn't have a lot of contents in them and so it just didn't take a lot for me all right um yeah i've had i had the high west for probably a year or something like that and there's only maybe a shot or two left in there and it just didn't take much (laughs) but it was a fun night dude i was listening to some 80s tunes that's kind of my gig you know like when i get into that mode i just like put on a bunch of 80s music videos and reminisce that's pretty cool yeah yeah it's nothing to maybe sing some some uh free bird oh yeah dude i actually did play Freebird last night yeah 
I didn't sing to it in my red hoodie. All right. Well, I didn't good. want I didn't want you to follow up with a YouTube video this time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that I don't know if that really falls into the category of cold open bullshit or follow up, but I'm just going to follow up with saying yesterday was good. We had some feedback from some of our uh I'd love to say sponsors, but that's not really it. I mean, we had some good feedback from from some of the products we talked about. Spin jumped in yesterday on Twitter and had some things to say. Saw a cool video of some of their manufacturing, so they're moving right along. And the video, that video is cool. It doesn't look like it was quite ready for prime time. <laughs> I think it still had had some sort of like a, a watermarked audio track, but yeah. And and the product was missing a few components. It looked like they were just kind of uh, in the in the warehouse doing some cool shit. They were still, yeah. you know, but it was neat. It was a great video, though. It was well well produced. Yeah, it was neat to see where they're at. I think that's the, you know, for all you other product guys out there, I, communication to me is just the best part. I don't I don't really mind that it's delayed or that they're making improvements and it's going to take another six months. I, I would love to have it today, but I, on the other hand, I just like to know what's going on. A little video goes a long way. I was able to see what they're doing and uh, if restored my confidence in the product and then the program it's like okay i'm gonna hang tight for a few uh, months i'm gonna go see some family over the holidays and i'll come back and i'll have some spin coffee ready for me in the in the new year no big deal yeah i think as long as you're clear and concise and open with what the status is of the product and you know what's happening actually with the company and so on and so forth people are much more willing to deal with delays and deal with the problems and things that are occurring as you know they understand that it's a new product and you're not used to production ramp up and you're not ready for all the the hurdles that you're going to run into as you produce a brand new product as long as you're clear with them and open and honest about it i think people are willing to forgive uh quite a bit well it seems intuitive to me at least but that's just not the status quo for a lot of these guys a lot of these guys go rogue they go quiet you don't hear from them for months people are on you know social media begging for updates and there's nothing going on nobody responds nobody says anything and i just don't understand why that's the approach that most people go with it's like hey you know like no news is bad news i would just co come out with the approach of like look we just gotta let them know what's going on whether it's good or not and let it ride but when you don't say anything at all it just I think I go at least. Yeah, it compounds the, the problem for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a positive thought about it. I'm not thinking. Oh, they're not saying anything. It must be on the way. I'm thinking. You know, they're not saying anything, and they took my money and went to Jamaica or something like that. So you know, silence is pretty telling. I yeah, I totally agree with that statement. You know, if they're if they're not talking, then there's a reason for that generally. Yeah. So. Anyway, not the case with our friends at Spin Coffee. Those guys sent us a really cool video <laughs> yesterday and uh, some updates on the product, and they're they're doing really good things over there. So we're very happy to get that update, and we'll stay tuned. We'll have to we'll have to keep pimping them, and then maybe we'll get like a maybe we can get you like a tour or something. Well, maybe we can get you a coffee maker. I mean, you know, since I don't want to check mine in at luggage at Alaska every time I'm coming out to Seattle. So. <laughs> <laughs> We can go. We can get something going for you over there. It'd be kind of nice. See how it compares to the Breville. Right now, Spin all they have is the Breville. So if if you have something that can compete, we might need to have a little alpha beta test over over at the uh, Quote Wizard. The uh, Spin doesn't have a steamer on it, does it? 
It does. Well, it depends on the model. So I was mentioning there's three different levels that you can buy in. And so I, I bought in the premium package because that's just how I roll. And it looked really good. And it does. It has a milk frother or steamer thing on it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, so yeah, it could compete. For sure, then. Yeah, I didn't mention that in the video. And I kind of left them shortchanged a little bit there. But it, it has all the things that you want. It's not just a drip maker, you know, it do, it does really, you can do lattes and do all that kind of stuff too. So. All right. So one of the items I wanted to quick follow up on was from uh, last episode, we were talking about the Amazon, what the hell is it called? Key. Yeah. Uh, and I had made a quick mention of another product that Amazon had kind of toyed around with. I don't know that they ever released it for sure. But it was deliveries that Amazon wanted to effectively drop directly in your car's trunk as you leave it on the road or at work. Yes, you were talking about that, and I had never heard of it before. So I'm really interested to hear about this. Yeah, so it was Amazon. I, I couldn't remember exactly who it was. Um, and it was something that got posted, I think it was in the USA Today, that they were playing around with the idea of it. Uh, I don't think they actually have implemented anything like this it's not nearly as as ready as the amazon key product is but yeah i mean it, it's it's pretty simple i don't really know how they would actually get the access for the car well if they can get into your home i imagine there's some kind of they probably have you know some way to do it, it does say here uh they're in talks with a company called frame and that's p-h-r-a-m-e yeah. and uh they're a maker of license plates with key storing compartments Oh boy! And you sounds can, like trouble. <laughs> and you can unlock it with your smartphone, and so it sounds like that's how the delivery man would access your trunk is through this uh, frame, which is interesting. That I guess it's the same kind of thing as the key. It's a third-party product that they're working to integrate with, rather than building it themselves or buying the company straight up. Well, it's smart. No need to do it. Although they could. Uh, I don't know if you were paying attention yesterday at the at the closing bell, but they had a, just a killer, killer day. I mean, like they sixty two billion dollars added to their books yesterday. <laughs> that's yeah, that's insane. Sixty two billion dollars. It was more than four hundred and fifty companies in the S and what in the S and P five hundred or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> they almost beat everybody combined. And we were discussing this a little bit over the chat. It was uh, primarily because they purchased a pharma company. Was that it? No, they didn't make any acquisitions, but they did come out and announce that they were going to compete in the space. And they in, they kind of uh, unveiled a little bit of their plan with Whole Foods. So they have 400 Whole Foods stores across the country, and they're going to convert all those to, well, not convert. They're going to have pharmacies in all of those stores. Amazon everywhere, man. They're taken over the world yeah and it's it's interesting the ripple effect from this because there was some talk yesterday too of uh who was it was it cvs and cigna inking a deal like there's some other acquisition out there um let's see etna etna stock soars on report of potential acquisition by cvs health so so yeah they jumped 12 percent yesterday too so, but the the rumor is that a lot of this stuff is now like people are scrambling in the background because of what Amazon's trying to do. Like they don't want to be the next victim because you know what's happened with everything else. You know, like they've just when they get into an industry, they definitely disrupt. So, 
It'll be interesting to see how this goes. Anyway, I dive. I I divest. I, I, I divert. Divest digress, or digress? Diver, di yeah, one of those. I think divest sounds like you're uh, removing an investment, doesn't it? Yeah. I w I'm not splitting any shares today. I'll just get back to what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry about that. Next piece of follow-up is uh, Google is responding to the Pixel 2 issues that they've been having, which we talked about was two our, shows ago. That was our first podcast. Yeah. Thankfully, they are. They're not. Hopefully, they're not saying anymore that this is just our standard. This is what we made for you guys. This is uh, This is the quality that comes out of the Goog over here. <laughs> well, they kind of, I mean, they kind of reiterated that in their statement, but they basically said, you know, based on user feedback, even though we think this is a better screen, we're going to go ahead and listen to the people and do what they want effectively. Well, that's nice. So if you, uh, if you weren't familiar with the issues, the, the, the Pixel 2 and the Pixel 2 XL just recently came out. The screen colors on the XL 2, I believe it is specifically or sorry, the XL, Pixel 2 XL, appear faded to some people or maybe appear to have a heavy dose of blue on them. Some people would say the color would change as you alter the viewing angle. Uh, and some people were complaining also of having some burn-in issues and those sorts of things. So Google has responded and, and said that they've received all the feedback about the yep. displays not appearing quite as well as they should. They say that we we attribute this perception to our choice to calibrate the Pixel 2 XL for delivering natural and accurate colors. Uh, <laughs> they continue in their statement saying that based on okay. the feedback we've received since announcing the Pixel 2 and the Pixel 2 XL, we've learned that some users do not want more vibrant colors. So through a software update, they're going to go ahead and change the colors uh, back oh, to... Really? A, change them using what they call saturated mode. So they're going to create a new kind of display mode that you can kind of move away from the way that it displays currently. <laughs> okay. So they, they're acknowledging something very little, it sounds like, but they're, they're making an acknowledgement and trying to offer something. I was, I was more impressed actually not with that uh, piece of news, but they did come out yesterday. I don't know if you heard this, but they said they would actually extend the warranty on the new pixels for two years. So they doubled the warranty. Typically you get a one year, hardware warranty from the manufacturer they're going to double it to two years on all pixels so that was kind of cool and this is a direct uh re reaction to all of the poor feedback that they've been receiving or why did they move to do this? right yeah it was it was related to all the you know bad publicity they've been getting with the with the uh issues with the xl one of the other issues that was reported was the burn-in and again they responded and said that uh, they've been actively investigating it. They've been testing it heavily, and they seem to believe that the decay of this, the display, is what they refer to it as, seems to be comparable to yeah. other smartphones. So they don't feel at, at this moment that, that there's a difference in quality of their screen versus any other screen, uh, which seems to be par for the course in terms of their response in general. It's kind of, hey, you know, the other screens do this, so... Why can't we? Or, you know, we think this is better than the other screen, but maybe in reality it's not. Well, you could argue that point, I think, with the quality of the saturation and all that other shit they're talking about. But when it comes to the ghosting and when it comes to the burn-in, I don't, I don't remember my iPhone having a little burn-in, you know, after I turned it off a week into having the damn thing. It does say that uh, they are dropping the max brightness 
down by 50 nits. Um, and then uh, the nav bar buttons that are on the bottom of the screen will fade out when they're not in use, which probably should help because that's those are pretty bright white, right? And they stay in place all the yeah. time. I don't have a, a Pixel 2 XL, so it'd be interesting to know from a user if there's anybody out there that's using this thing. You know, is this a legit issue for you? And uh, what's it look like? I mean, I'm curious to know. I've seen photos, I've seen some things online, but I'm not sure to what extent this is really a problem or if it's just a fabrication or a little bit of both. Yeah, what the actual extent of the issue is or if it's just a few people, uh, a few reports getting kind of blown up or blown out of proportion. But it's a very nice gesture of these guys, you know, for not having a problem with their phone to extend the warranty to two years. So when, you know, set a reminder in your Google calendar and then in 23 and a half months to light the thing on fire, dip it in butter, hot butter, and uh, get the Pixel 3 for free, maybe. It's actually pretty cool when you think of two years is really the shelf life for a smartphone generally. Uh, so effectively, they've covered the entire life that most people are going to have that smartphone. So that's actually a pretty cool thing that they've done. It's a very it's a very good, in my opinion, uh, vote of confidence in the product. Even if they're having some issues, they're going to resolve those issues. It might be a little painful at first, but yeah. the I had the 5X almost two years, not quite two years, and I had to return that thing a couple times, and they were very good about that too. They, they You know, I will say this about Google. like They've been very, very good with their and very lax on their warranty policy, especially with Fi. I, I received two different... Uh, replacements to the 5X. And one of them was outside of warranty and they didn't question it. They just took care of it. I was going to ask about that, actually. I'm sure this warranty is going to be just uh, manufacturing defects, right? It's no screen replacements for cracked screens or anything to that effect, right? Yeah, that's that's probably true. I, I don't think they'll do that. Maybe in a case-by-case thing, but um, it's it's probably going to be just... You know the issues that I had with the thing. There was there was a lot of problems with the the, the Nexus that it was um, what they call that. It, it was going into some kind of reboot loop where you couldn't get it to load. You know, load the phone. It would just keep booting. A little reboot hell, stuff like that. Yeah, they're not going to cover it if you slip and drop the phone on the concrete or something like that. All right, moving on. The uh, next topic I wanted to talk a little bit about was home automation. Uh, we both kind of do a little bit of home automation here and there. I I have quite a bit of it in my house. Uh, you even, in fact, had a company uh, based around the whole idea. I used to be in home automation, and it was a lot different. I'll tell you that. When I, when I was in home automation, this was about 10 years ago. Not quite, but it was before the nest and before these hot devices and it was all you had to have a programmer to do it and you had to have really a lot of bulky gear it was kind of like the old it was kind of like the mainframe of your you know mainframe computing back in the day big motherboards and a bunch of wiring and a bunch of programming and all that kind of stuff and now you can just i bought my little nest and i plugged it in and it works it wasn't like that wasn't like that before. And there's a new product that's on the market. It's called Noon, N-O-O-N. Oh. And what interested me about this is it's a lot like the Philips Hue. However, they're tackling the idea from kind of a different angle. So it still controls your lights. Yeah. However, instead of controlling uh, your lights kind of bulb by bulb. The approach that they're trying to take is to have you replace your light switches 
with effectively smart light switches. Oh, interesting. Which, to some degree, I think is kind of brilliant because one of the biggest complaints I've always had with Hue is, A, I have to replace every single light bulb in my house with a smart light bulb, which is kind of a pain in the ass, and B, sometimes, especially in the case of my old house, I actually had these bulbs that were called GU24. They're really, really efficient bulbs. Yeah. They don't look like, they're not like regular screw-in bulbs. They have a different That's exactly right. They have kind of a two-prong interface. Yeah. And Philips doesn't make these bulbs. So I couldn't even replace the bulbs in my ceiling, like say the floodlights that are in my ceiling, for instance. I couldn't even replace them if I wanted to. So this would be a pretty cool workaround to get all the lights in my house, if I wanted to, uh, hooked up to a smart system. Yeah. I'm curious to know how they're going to pull this off because, as you probably know, the the reason why a lot of these guys go after the bulb is that you can actually control things like dimming and whatnot when you're dealing with just any bulb. Like, fluorescents don't dim, you know? Like, there's there's issues around getting fluorescents and LEDs. If you have a standard bulb, you know, an incandescent bulb, you can do that, but you can't do that with um, some of the other types of bulbs. So I'm curious how they're going to get around that. It actually, it talks about that, and it, it mentions that uh, the device itself is able to determine and understand how much power is flowing to each bulb. Okay. And based on that, it can determine what it's what it's connected to, or at least that's the claim. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and then it can build a profile of, of the room and, and understand how to light it kind of more pleasantly is the way that they describe it. The only demo was done in a pretty beautiful home, apparently, so it would probably be beautiful almost any way you slice it, but that's kind of what they're claiming. Um, so the way that you have to do this is there's kind of a, what do they call it, a director. Uh, this is kind of the smart screen. It shows you which lights are on, how bright they are, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the, what do they call the other units? They're essentially just the light switches. Maybe and the extensions or... Um... It sounds something like that, yeah. Yeah. Those are what allow you to toggle lights on or off. Um, the downside to this is that you can't control lights individually. It's the same as your light switches, so you're going to control them as a set. Hmm. Right? Uh, the other issue is if you have, uh, what do they call them, two-way switches, right? Where you have a switch maybe, say, at the bottom of the stairs and a switch at the top of the stairs, something to that effect. If you have something like that, you have to replace both because you're you're going to run into issues where it's going to get out of sync. It's It's, of course, you know internet connected you can talk to alexa and turn all your lights on or off and set them on to routines and scenes and all these other things that you can do with the existing kind of bulbs that exist already today it has a nice little oled screen uh, at least the director does yeah i'm looking at this photo right now it's very contemporary it's a decora style switch so it's going to fit into your you know it's going to be a wider profile than your normal toggle switch but it, yeah it has a screen on it and it kind of has this little thing that flares out at the bottom of the switch i like it it seems aesthetically to be pretty cool switch and i think it's a um, cool solution to a problem that that a lot of people probably have including myself you know you might want the whole, whole house or at least more of the house wired into your smart control system and you just can't do it right now without without getting really really expensive or you know in some cases like mine in my old house you, you just can't do it at all 
Yeah, that that's an issue, and uh, I like I like what these guys are up to. I don't know a whole lot about it. It can be kind of pricey doing this too. If you have a lot of switches, you're going to spend some dollars. But on the other hand, you don't have to have a, a technician to come in and program this for you. You can do it yourself, so you can save some money that way, which is good. Yeah, so the system sells uh, as a starter kit. You can buy a starter kit, which comes with the, the director and two extensions, which is effectively your light switches, uh, and and they're costly. So that's going to cost 400 bucks for that starter kit. Yeah. Uh, and then each additional uh, extension that you want is 100 bucks, and each additional director that you need is 200 bucks. So not a, not a cheap product. Um, Although the directors, I don't really feel like you would need probably more than one or two of those. One per floor, maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not really that bad either. You know, getting back to when I was in in the business, when it was all customized, you had to have somebody come in and anything. If you got a new DVD player or a Blu-ray player, you got to get the programmer back out there to update the IR codes and that sort of thing. It's very cost prohibitive. It was only for people that had the money to spend. And so even at this price point, I think it's a pretty good value because it's it's DIY. You can if you know anything about electrical, if you know how to wire a switch, you can do it yourself and uh hook it up and you're ready to go. So what other home automation stuff do you have in the uh new apartment there in San Francisco? So I don't have a lot of home automation in the apartment right now. I do have the Philips Hue because I, I brought that with me. I already had some Hue devices and I bought a few more bulbs. Um, I have a Nest thermostat, although that's not really going to work here because the, at least in the unit that I'm in, they have more, it's more like room by room, right? They don't have a central system for HVAC or okay. heating or anything like that. So there's just little electrical heaters that are in each room and there's a little wall plate that has a thermostat that you can set. So... I probably won't use the nest here. Uh, I'll use the lighting. I would love to do some door door stuff, but like we were talking the other day with, with um, Amazon Key, I don't have the right kind of door. I could probably do it on the inside of the apartment because I have a unit on the first floor, and so I have access to the street on one end, and I have access to the apartment complex on the other end. And on that side, I could probably put a locking system in that would... Uh, like a deadbolt kind of a thing, but I can't do that on the outside. The exterior door is just a different, um, you know, different profile. So I'm a little bit limited with my options here. And, and uh, you know, it's it's not a big deal. I could maybe put a couple cameras in or do something like that if I wanted to. Um, but I work from home, so I'm, I'm watching the dogs all the time. In my case, I just don't need a whole lot of automation. I'm probably ready to, you know, good to go with just some LED lights and um alexa you know i can do that for music so yeah i have a number of the same things i have alexa here as well i have philips hue uh, as you mentioned uh what else do we have uh we have uh i guess it was drop cam when we purchased into them but i guess it's nest now mm -hmm. uh, i don't have the nest thermostat i kind of want something like that but the problem that I have here is we have uh, ductless um, heating and cooling systems. And the way those work is there's a unit up on the wall, and then we have remotes, like remote controls, that control each of the units. So there is no wiring into the wall and into these units that controls them. So a traditional 
thermostat doesn't work for me. Mm, yeah. So what I really kind of need is like a thermostat. I mean, it can be on the wall. That's fine. But what I really need is like a thermostat that can effectively replace the remotes and communicate with the devices in the same way the remotes would, but in a intelligent way, I guess. That would be a fun project. There's, I have some ideas around that we should talk about because you could, and they might have an interface. They might have some kind of thing that you could hardwire into. Uh, maybe they have wall units that you could purchase for that and they could they could all be tied into a central system or or maybe just through ir if you had the right ir commands then you could have a remote that could signal commands to all those at the same time so yeah i haven't uh taken the time to really look hmm. uh what's available or if anything's available but yeah uh, i haven't been here long enough really to have to worry about it so far but now that it's getting cold uh, it's it's becoming a more of an issue, and and one of the things that we did see that was kind of interesting is, so we have two uh, two units, one head, two units, and the way these things work is either they're uh, all cooling, all heating, or you know one's cooling or one's heating. You can't have a mix, so you can't have one heating and one cooling, for instance. It it doesn't work. Right, because the central unit has to be operating in one mode. It can't be serv- doing both at the same time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, it's a little bit of an, an annoyance only because let's say you want to switch it from cold to heat upstairs. You have to run downstairs and turn the other one off first or switch it also. Mm-hmm. So some of this kind of automation would be kind of nice where it would just take care of all that for you and you don't have the hassle of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I did, when we moved in here, really, really want to get uh, lev- level or smart blinds. Yeah. But holy shit, those are expensive. The old motorized shades that would raise and lower it's sunrise and sunset and that sort of thing. That's pr- that's pretty exactly. That's pretty fancy. Yeah, that would be that would have been awesome. But yeah, I think those, you know, where the blinds maybe for me currently cost one hundred and fifty bucks, those would have been five hundred and fifty or something like that. Oh boy, so, yeah, you're paying yeah. a premium for that <laughs> for that feature to lower your blinds before you automatically at eight a.m. <laughs> yeah and we have really large windows in our living room so i mean it would have been really really cool to have that done because it's they the sun is is in the south all the time uh, so we see you know the, the light comes through very very bright brightly in the afternoon and into the evening so it would it would have been really nice to be able to have that functionality built in where it could keep it uh keep the blinds at a level that that blocks it out yeah consistently right but, um, yeah, it's just at at that point anyway, it was cost prohibitive. Maybe over time I'll switch them slowly, but just, you know, throwing down several, you know, $3,000 or something just for like, wow. uh, four windows or something like that was just absurd. So yeah, maybe you do one or two at a time and parse it out over the course of a few years, you know, you just upgrade yep. a room or something. Yep. Yeah, I I've had more automation. I don't really have the need in this place. I'm on a ground floor and I don't have blinds that are out of reach, but but in other other properties that I've lived in and in the duplex that I still have back home in in the Midwest, um that's pretty cool automation. And so I I did have like security and lighting all tied in together, uh HVAC and you can do some really cool things with that. So you could you could have, um, for example, like if there was a fire in the basement, it was a it was a two story property with a basement. Uh, you could have the lights flicker on and off, 
And if you had LED lights, you could have them flicker on and off in a red color or something like that to indicate that, hey, there's a problem in the house. You have to evacuate. Or it could it could also stop the HVAC system from running because a lot of times you don't want to have air feeding a fire. So if there was a fire and, and the alarm picked that up, then it would shut off the HVAC system. Um, really cool things. So, I mean, I, I love automation. I love the fact now that it's it's becoming DIY, it wasn't the case, you know, as I said, when I was in the business, but there's some really cool things happening with it now. And, uh, and, and even little things people don't think about that are really nice to have. So, for example, having lighting control in your home, if you wake up at two in the morning and you go into the bathroom and you flip the switch on, normally most people are blinded by that because you've been sleeping for a few hours. Well, in my home, I had I had the lights automatically dim to 20% after 10 o'clock. You know, so if I got up in the middle of the night, I had to go to the bathroom, turn the light switch on. At most, I was going to get 20% of the light out of that bulb just just because of the time. So there's a lot of cool things you can do when you have those systems in the house. Yeah, and we actually utilized one of those functions when we were in France here recently for about a month is Hugh has um, a feature that I think they just moved from kind of their labs function to a primary function where you can have the, the lights kind of go on and off automatically. They're on a timer per se, but they'll go off, say, you can set, say, within 30 minutes either way of the time that you wanted them to turn on. And the reason for that is to kind of make it look like people are coming and going at different times right. rather than very, very consistently. So it makes it look like maybe people are home rather than, than it just being lights on a timer. Yeah, it's the old really cool. home alone thing, you know. he Back in the day, Kevin had to have, like, the Michael Jordan cardboard cut out on a train track, you know, like driving around the living room to make it look like there was people in there, but now you can just have your hue lights come on and off at certain times of the day in different rooms. It's pretty cool. We're showing our age with that reference, buddy. <laughs> that's that's going to be a classic. I don't give a shit how old you are. Everybody loves some Home Alone. Well, maybe with that, we ought to move on. Uh, one last note on the uh, noon is it's available immediately. Uh, you can order it online. And uh, November 15th is when it'll be available in Home Depot stores. So oh, hey, go check it out. Very nice. Noon. Have to take a look at that. All right. What do we have next? Uh, what's on deck here, KJ? Kojo? So, yeah, an article I had uh, come across the other day was an article from The Verge, uh, which was titled, Apple is not America's favorite tech company, oh. which kind of drew my eye a little bit. A, I didn't. I don't know that I would have said that they were to begin with. And B, uh, I was just kind of curious as to what the contents were. And I'll be honest with you, I haven't completely read through the article. But what I did do is look at a pretty large graph that they have in the middle of the mm -hmm. article. And it's a indication of from a scale of one to they basically uh, ask on a scale of one to five, with five being the highest, would you care mm -hmm. if the following companies would disappear from the earth? basically. Uh, and the companies that they gave were Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, and Apple. Uh, and what was interesting here is that Apple had the second largest group of people that would not care at all if the company disappeared from the planet, which to me was actually pretty shocking. I mean, I, you know, I would have not <laughs> thought that they were the best by any stretch of the imagination, but I did not know that that many people would not care well all i can say to that is is um you know develop the developer community would be impacted by this um 
the iPhone user would be impacted by this, but it's probably a small segment when you compare it to some of these other guys. They're they're more invasive, right? Uh, anybody can be a an Amazon shopper, but you have to have some dough if you want to play with Apple. So I, I that's probably what it has to do with that a little bit. It's more accessible, but it is it is surprising to me a little bit too. So the one the one company in here that doesn't have any products aside from software is Facebook, and that was they were the number one company. They, nobody they were they had the highest response rate of they people would not care if they went away, yeah. which that makes a lot of sense to me because they have no hardware, so therefore nothing really to support. The only thing you're losing is software, which yeah, and and as much as we're all addicted to the Facebook, I think a lot of times they they're not seeing a favorable light either. I think most people would agree that they could spend less time on Facebook and their life would probably improve. You know, it's not something that it's, it's a crutch in the way. Sometimes it's not something that provides a lot of value, but it's something that we're drawn towards a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, Google has a pretty healthy response rate of people that would care a lot if it went away. And I think that makes a lot of sense when you think of, uh, you know, number one, the search platform, which is huge. You know, if that went away, that would be a major problem for a lot of people, myself included. And that doesn't even include the Android hardware, which of course a lot of people are using for all sorts of different smartphones. Myself included on that one. I love my new Pixel hardware. It's very good. Very good hardware. <laughs> what uh, what uh, candy operating system are you running on? The uh, we've software? moved on from candy. We're now on to other types of sweets. This is um, 8.0 Oreo. Nice. With a nice creamy filling in the middle. Uh, now we're on to cookies, huh? <laughs> Oreo. <laughs> Marshmallow. You know, we've we've moved on from the candy. That was so last year. But yeah, I thought this was interesting. I, you know, I'm an Apple user. I, I have an Apple MacBook. I'm an iPhone user. I have uh, Apple TV. I have a lot of these products. And, and I'll be honest with you, I feel like Apple's uh, lagging, lagging heavily. Um, I see a lot of things coming out of Microsoft, for instance, who, who's been doing some kick-ass work, really. You know, they've come out with their Surface tablets, uh, their Surface Pros. They've come out with a lot of great hardware i mean they're they have had their issues with a few of those things but by and large it's it's a huge step forward for them and and they've built up their azure platform to compete with aws it's a it's a really solid platform we use that at work all the time i think they're doing a lot of things correct and i think apple is going quite the opposite direction i think they're doing a lot of things that are frustrating people that are frustrating their developers specifically and and they're not really innovating anymore. The only thing that they try to innovate on really is the iPhone and the watch platform. And I feel like the watch platform is a pretty small subset, really. Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that's a wasted segment. You know, I, I feel like you're abandoning, I feel like you're abandoning your Mac customers. Uh, you know, I don't feel like the Mac itself, I feel like it's not getting attention anymore. And that's unfortunate because it used to be, I remember you had one, you were, you, you introduced me to it. Uh, it was like the most rock-solid platform that you could possibly use at the time. Uh, and I don't feel like that's the case anymore. I feel like they're getting away from some of their roots. I agree. Their quality has suffered in recent years. And they used to be perfectionists, right, in everything they did. The UI, the 
the software was perfect, the hardware. And now you've got a situation where you, if you want to own a Mac, you're going to own 15 dongles just to hook shit up to the fucking thing. I mean, this is what's happened with Apple is that they've gone the other way where it's not even so much about convenience anymore. It's just about how can we maximize profitability and charge 30 bucks for a connector to do the same shit that you could just plug into your computer before. I would even add to that and say design became more of a concern than usability of the product. How so? What are you, what are you saying about that? To, to your point exactly, like you said, the dongles are a thing. The reason that dongles are a thing is because Johnny Ive decided, you know, to make a more thinner, beautiful, a symmetrical design. Let's remove all the ports to make it more symmetrical and beautiful. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to have some symmetry in the design. Yeah, I think that 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 would definitely go into the category of bullshit for me. I just don't see how, from a UX perspective, you're you're serving your customer that way, right? Now you have all these other companies that are coming into the fold that are trying to offer some kind of adapters or other other tech just so you can still plug shit into your laptop. Uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate because they do make I, they still make a quality product. It's still a very good product, but it used to be, in my opinion, a lot more robust, a lot more foolproof. Um, and I noticed even when I was still on the iPhone, in the end, there you know before I switched to to Android and to Google Project Fi, uh, there were there were more errors. It was error prone. Like they just didn't have the same quality control standards that they used to have back in the day. Things were done very well, and things didn't release until they were perfected. It seemed like, and that, and now it's just that there's a lot more compromise. I feel like, um, in in their products and in their software and their hardware, it, it feels like a compromise instead of the same top-notch product that everybody comes to expect from, from those guys. Yep. That's exactly the way that I feel. Exactly. Um, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to it. It's just, I, I feel like it's a little unfortunate and, and I've told Christina recently, I feel like, I feel like Apple to a large degree is, is in a bit of trouble currently. And the reason that I feel that way is is you see companies like Amazon and Google and even Microsoft and, and these guys are creating products that are quality. And the more important thing, I think, is that they're creating platforms that are open and that people can utilize to build even cooler things. So what I'm referring to here is AWS, Azure, and what's Google's platform called? I can't even think of what it's called. The Goog, the Goog Cloud. Yeah, the Goog Cloud. No, I don't know. But, uh, and then Azure and, and Amazon can build on top of their own cloud platform, which I'm sure Apple is building their own as well behind the scenes. They have iCloud. They have all that sort of thing. I just don't feel that they're going to continue to be able to innovate as fast as Microsoft and, and Amazon are with, with essentially dogfooding their own huge cloud. I mean, they're supporting the world's business plus their own. Whereas Apple is just kind of creating their own little cloud ecosphere, which I don't feel is going to, I don't feel it can be nearly as good. It, it, I don't see how it's possible. I agree. And say what you want about Microsoft. They're, they're sometimes a dirty word in the industry, right? Like people still, oh, Microsoft, or you're a, oh, you're a .NET guy or whatever you want to say about it, but they've made some incredible strides. I just saw a report this week. Um, their cloud business was up 90%. Uh, 
uh, year over year. So, I mean, they're doing tremendous things to bridge the gap, uh, to get after Amazon. And, uh, you know, I think AWS is still the clear winner. They still have the best offerings. They still have, they're, they're ahead of the curve and they had an early start and the, and they were, they are the forerunner, but Microsoft is, is not a, a joke and they're not, to be taken lightly. I mean, they've, they've done some really pretty powerful things. Yeah. And the first thing an Apple person is going to come back and say is, oh, well, Apple's a hardware company, right? Well, that's true, but they're also a software company. I mean, in, in order for the soft, for, sorry, in order for the hardware to work, they have to build a certain amount of software. Uh, and in order for the, the, the hardware pieces to talk to each other, those are software bits. So they are both, both companies. And you know, I don't, I feel like maybe they can keep on top of their hardware. That's fine. They do still create pretty solid pieces of hardware. I'm not complaining about the hardware, but I think their software engineering and design are lagging behind heavily. Well, there's more pressure on Apple, to be honest, because they chose that vertical approach to own the hardware and the software. You can't just go and pick up an Apple from any third party. You got to get it from Apple. So I think there's a reason, you know, the bar is already set pretty high and, and yeah, they've, they've, made some missteps and they haven't released a lot of new products lately okay you've got the iphone which is their big revenue generator now so there's a lot of focus on that the watch who really gives a shit that never really took off but but even their hardware their pc when was the last time that a mac mini came out i mean there hasn't been a mac mini release in a few years there hasn't been i don't know i mean maybe the mac pro gets the most love on the hardware lineup right now next to the iPhone. And they, yeah, they just announced a new Mac Pro. Um, the MacBooks just got a, a revamp relatively recently. Yeah. But yeah, they don't, they don't pay a lot of attention to the, the MacBook hardware because it's not a, it's not a focus. The iPhone is the focus. The iPhone is, is what generates right. tons and tons and tons of dollars for, for Apple. And uh, that's a little bit unfortunate because you're, you're leaving the developers who are developing things for the iPhones <laughs> with dated hardware. That's just it. They do some dumb shit. And so I'm getting into, as you know, I'm getting into more of the mobile app development space and I'm, I'm taking on some projects doing some um, uh, cross-platform development. And uh, my options aren't great because I, you know, I can use uh, all kinds of tools to develop, but then I have to have an Apple to compile the code. I mean, that's a... That's a given. You have to have an Apple to do that. You can't try to do that on the PC. Yep, that's right. Um, and and so for me, I don't want to have a three thousand dollar fucking MacBook Pro just to write some code. You know, if I'm if I'm I mean I'm a small guy. I don't have thousands and thousands of dollars to throw at hardware. And um, as much as I would love to have a cool MacBook Pro, I, I'm not going to spend the money on the damn thing. And so yeah, so I want you know I was looking at Mac Minis last week, and they're dated. They don't have shit. I mean, these things are still expensive and they're old. Yeah, I think the last update on those was three years ago or something to that effect. Yeah, the the chips in those in in that hardware is um, very dated. So it's disappointing. Yeah, they're they're definitely losing their edge, and uh, I hate to see that. I I hope they have a, a resurgence because I I've always. Uh, historically, I really loved the products that they put together. I always felt like they built the best hardware and, and software, and uh, they're definitely losing their edge. So, 
Yeah, I hope they can course correct. You know, I I bought into the Apple ecosystem to some degree. I kind of kept one foot out just because I didn't want to completely be locked into one ecosystem. But I bought into the Apple ecosystem to a little to a little degree uh, with the with the MacBook and with the iPhone. And I really really loved the interoperability of those things. They just talk to each other. They know how to work with each other. There was no uh, setup required to make them communicate and that was one of the beautiful things about them is is things just work yeah Uh, so hopefully they can get back on course and and develop some cool hardware and develop some cool software and compete in the space but uh, i do have my i do have my doubts and i am a little bit afraid of some of the things that microsoft and some of the competitors are doing i think i think there's they're doing just as good a work just as good a hardware and and we'll see what shakes out but hopefully they can right the ship and and make things that are compelling again I agree 100%. They have a high bar being, you know, again, going back to the vertical thing, they have a high bar. They own the hardware, they own the software. But to your point, people expect when you buy an Apple product and you pay a premium for that, that things just work, like you said. And and I'm even noticing on the Apple TV now, every time I go into the damn thing, it's prompting me for a fucking login. Every time I go in, <laughs> I oh, have that too. We, need, we need your iTunes fucking cloud password. I put that in 10 fucking times. Like, why do I need to do it again? And that happens all the time. It's annoying. It's frustrating. And uh, they don't seem to be doing a whole lot to address that. So hope you're right. But uh, if not, then... Things will play out and somebody else will step in and yeah, you know, Amazon will be worth, you know, is a worth 1100 bucks a share now. So <laughs> there will be new people to, to, to jump in line if they don't get their shit together. Well, I guess with that, that's the, that's all we got for today. Did we crank out a show already? Yeah, shit. we did. Wow. Over. Oh my gosh. How did we do that? That's crazy. <laughs> this is easier than I thought it was going to be. On a Saturday morning, no doubt. Saturday morning, I'm, you know, coffee. I'm coffeeed up. And whiskeyed uh, up. Well, a little bit of whiskeyed up still. Yeah, that was last night, but that's still kind of lingering into the morning here for me. Feeling a little better now. Yeah. We're making progress. We we made a big purchase yesterday. We bought a domain name yesterday. Coffeecodecast.com. Don't go there now. There's nothing there right now. <laughs> Don't go there now. It's it's going to dead end somewhere. But <laughs> I suppose we could just we could just redirect that to the uh, temporary website for the time being. Yeah, that would require not too much work, but we could do that. All right. Well, we'll see you uh, in the office uh, Tuesday or Tuesday morning, I guess, bright and early. Uh, you fly in on Tuesday? I do. I fly in Tuesday. It'll be an early morning. I'll probably get up at three thirty or four o'clock and go to the airport, get on a plane. I'm gonna pick up some Bodine for Doug. Uh, Oh, the sourdough bread, huh? Yeah, they open up at 5 a.m. So at the airport. So there you go. I can get a a loaf fresh out of the oven and bring it over. Well, uh, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. He'll be appreciative of that. (laughs) (laughs) You thought about it. You almost won. (laughs) You can also contact us on Twitter at CoffeeCodeCast. You can contact Mike on his Twitter at PragmaMike, P-R-A-G-M-A-M-I-K-E. You can contact me at Kyle P. Johnson. If you have a question or just want to shout out at us, uh, you can use the hashtag Ask3C. That's the number three. Uh, The website that we were just talking about is uh, www.coffeecodecast.com or if that's not working for you, go to uh, coffeecodecast.com dot libsyn.com l-i-b-s-y-n.com 
You can subscribe to the podcast uh, through SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. Leave us a comment. Rate us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you.